Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to The World in 10, the big news stories of the day, explained and analysed by The Times of London, with me, Rebecca Myers, and Toby Gillis. On the day, an American report raises major concerns about Israel's true attempt to minimise the loss of civilian lives in Gaza. We analyse the country's use of so-called dumb bombs. There are strong questions being put to Israel over its claims that its military campaign in Gaza is doing everything possible to minimise civilian harm. It's because of US intelligence, seen by media stateside, which shows that almost half of the 29,000 airstrikes there have been what are called dumb bombs rather than precision-guided missiles. Effectively, that means they're unguided, so they're just dropped from a plane with no specific technology telling the bomb about the target that they want to hit. Some bombs, including many that America have sent Israel, are programmed to hit a specific set of coordinates. The dumb bombs simply free fall, so have a significantly greater chance of missing their target. George Grills covers defence for The Times and has recently returned from reporting in Israel. He told us it's reasonable to ask questions of Israel now this news has emerged. Within the rules of law, if you are attacking someone, it has to be a proportionate. So it has to avoid excessive civilian loss of life compared to uh, the military advantage you gain from attacking somewhere. Using these dumb bombs basically undermines that Israeli claim that, that their response has been proportionate because it suggests that some of the bombing campaign has, has occurred with little regard for or with less regard for civilian, civilian life than the Israelis maintain. The, I mean, Gaza is in a, a densely populated urban environment, so you, you would imagine and it seems likely there will be plenty of fallout from dropping a bomb depending on its warhead if it wasn't guided. Israel has refused to comment, saying it does not address the type of munitions used. What we do know is the Hamas-run health ministry in Gaza says in excess of 18,000 people have died in Israeli bombing there since October the 7th, although Israel constantly reminds us that they do not differentiate between militants and civilians and insists that once that information is disclosed, people will look more favourably on their bombing campaign. But this new information will add weight to the concern for civilian life in Gaza, especially as it comes just one day after Joe Biden described Israel's bombing campaign there as indiscriminate. (laughs) 
the hashtag MeToo movement has thrown up so many troubling stories, including the countless numbers of women who had promising acting careers curtailed, apparently simply for resisting the advances of well-known stars. Now, a police investigation into the apparent suicide of an actress in France is looking into whether it's linked to allegations she had made against Hollywood A-lister Gérard Depardieu. So this is Emmanuelle de Bavere, who in 2019 became the first woman to publicise sexual abuse allegations against Depardieu. She had played the wife of Depardieu's character in a 1983 movie called Danton and claimed she prevented him from, and this is a quote, making the most of the privacy inside a carriage, sliding his fat paw under my skirts to supposedly make me feel better. Depardieu has denied all allegations against him in the strongest possible terms, but Debevere's death came the day before a documentary was broadcast on French TV, which made more allegations against the actor. Police there only started investigating whether there's a link between her death and the abuse she claims to have suffered when they saw a social media post recalling them. Charles Bremner, who comments on French culture and politics for The Times, told The World in 10 there's some confusion about the situation there. She's not a known actress. She was known in the 1980s. The media are only today connecting the fact that she apparently killed herself and that she was the woman who, one of the accusers of Gérard Depardieu, and that the prosecutors in Paris have opened a police investigation to see if there was any link between the two. France Television, one of the main state networks, put out a very shocking documentary about Depardieu last, on, on December the 7th, which all the women, a lot of the women accusing him, came forward with their accounts of his behaviour. And they also showed footage of Depardieu talking very obscenely about women on a, on a trip to Korea, North Korea, in fact. At the same time, this documentary did mention Emmanuel de Bever, and media put two and two together and suggested that she, or suspected that she might have killed herself because of because of this documentary or because of something to do with Depardieu. There's absolutely no evidence to suggest that so far. And in fact, her sister has come out this afternoon and said that the media are lying about the case. Emmanuel de Bever was 60 years old. Sometimes you have a day where there are more stories than you have enough time to give due credence to. Today is one of those days, Rebecca, isn't it? Mm. So two more in brief now, both with positive undertones after dark days. Yes, the first is the case of the Australian mother, once dubbed the worst in the country's history, Kathleen Folbig. She was sentenced to 40 years in prison in 2003 for killing her four children, three intentionally and one by manslaughter. But regular listeners to The World in 10 will remember back in June, she was pardoned after substantial new evidence showed her children could have died of natural causes because of rare genetic conditions. Today, we conclude the story after an Australian court quashed the convictions entirely. Her lawyer says they'll now seek damages larger than any similar payment made before. And Kathleen spoke of her anger after the hearing too. I am grateful that updated science and genetics has given me answers as to how my children died. However, even in 1999, we had legal answers to prove my innocence. They were ignored and dismissed. The system preferred to blame me rather than accept that sometimes children can and do die suddenly, unexpectedly and heartbreakingly. I think the system and society needs to think before they blame a parent of hurting their children.
The other story we can't ignore is some comments made by Vladimir Putin today about a US journalist who's been in prison awaiting trial on espionage charges in Russia for three years. This is Evan Gershkovich, a journalist colleague of ours, a Wall Street Journal reporter. We have the same parent company, News Corp. Putin, during a news conference today, has raised the prospect that Evan could be released. Yes, this is the moment he addressed it, saying, it's not like we refused to send them back. We did not. We want to make an agreement, and that agreement should be mutually accepted and satisfy both sides. We're in communication with American partners on that, and the dialogue's ongoing. It's not an easy one. I won't speak about the details now, but overall, I think we're speaking the language we both understand. I hope we'll find a solution. Just one more thing to highlight, which we love today. The Times' chief sports writer, Owen Slot, has been keeping a close eye on Wayne Rooney, one of England's all-time greatest footballers, former manager at MLS side DC United, and now manager at Tom Brady's Birmingham City. So he's not been doing that well, frankly, since arriving, winning just two of ten games, although he did win the match Owen was at on Wednesday night. It's fascinating because... For many football fans in the UK, his appointment was pure fantasy football. You have to be an aficionado of the sport to have heard of John Eustace. That's Rooney's predecessor. He had a very solid career as a player, but was not what you'd call a big name. Brady will have known about the stardust Rooney has, even if his managerial career so far kind of hasn't really hinted at anything that special. And Owen Slot's piece looks into an often heard pub debate among football fans. Why are so few footballing greats able to transition into managerial greatness? As Owen points out, it's even harder to predict which footballer will manage it until it happens. One of English football's great managerial hopes at the moment is currently coaching in France. He's called Will Still. And believe it or not, he started his journey simply by being quite good at football management computer games, having never played the sport at any high level at all. That's exactly me. I should be a manager. <laughs> anyway, Owen's piece on Rooney provides whimsy and history and also some cold, hard truths for Rooney. It is really worth a read. Unfortunately, that is all we've got time for today. Thank you for taking 10 minutes to stay on top of the world with the help of the Times of London. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 